One of the things I wanted to do is today is just kind of look at some of the big like, um, ideas about Christianity. And so we're going to look at baptism today. Um, and, um, and some people have asked, you know, like, why do we believe what we do? And why do we, do, why do we believe what we believe and do what we do? Great question. And so we're going to look occasionally at some of these things. Um, um, next week, I want to teach on, um, I'll teach on, I think, I've been toying with, it's, it's um, All Saints Eve kind of Sunday. Um, and I think that we carry around both our ancestors and losses. And I want to, I want to see what Scripture has to say about that next week. And so... Um, and so we'll, we'll do that next week. But this week will be about baptism. Where's Biddy Webb? There you are. Would you read scripture? I um, could not print it off, so I'm going to have you read it on the big screen. If and that's I so okay. appreciate that because I don't have my glasses. <laughs> Is that big enough? Oh, goodness. Over here. Yeah. Okay. Matthew yeah. 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had, had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. Thank you. Y'all have heard this text, right? I mean, this is like one of those classic deals that, um, that really is, um, um, sets the, the tone for what it means to be Christian. Because at the end of the day, what it means to be Christian is not what we stick in our head, it's what we do with our feet. And often in uh, modernity, what we've done is, uh, is we've said, you tell me what you believe, um, which really we reduce the scripture down to, at least in my um, background, do I believe Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior? Do I repent of my sins and try not to do it again? And really, um, um, I just want to go to heaven. That's what I, you know. And so we reduce it down to kind of that, um, which I think then we stick it all in our heads. So we, we ask folks, you tell me what you believe, and I'll tell you if you belong. Right? And so often the church becomes this kind of exclusive club, you know, where you can hear the and you're like, what's going on in there, right? You know? And so to get through into where the, the, the beats are happening, you have to answer certain questions or be a certain kind of person. And there's then these kind of bouncers at the door that let people in or exclude people from getting in. But then when you come to the gospel, it's crazy who's in there. Right? My mom always said the, most two, the two most frequently asked questions in heaven are going to be, um, where's so-and-so? And how'd you get here? <laughs> right? right? It's, all, it's this upside-down deal, right? Because the things that we expect in, in terms of the gospel and in terms of Jesus is Jesus is always befriending people that, um, that our culture or our parents or our upbringing or this internal structure says, be careful of those folks. And then you see Jesus like befriending those folks. And it doesn't matter who those folks are. It can be the super rich like Zacchaeus that Jesus goes, oh, come on, let's go eat. Or it could be the prostitute where he says to Simon, do you see this woman getting us to see each other? 
And so we see in the New Testament all the time, particularly in Luke, this idea of eyesight is massive. Because what we see often determines what we choose not to see. Right? And so our, our, our vision often says this is, this is the way the world is. Bertrand Russell says this, every way of seeing is just another way of not seeing. That makes sense? I know this is true. This is the way it is. Well, that's just another way of not being able to see something else. And so what Jesus does is he comes along, and we talked about this a number of weeks ago in terms of per, uh, perception with the uh, duck and the rabbit picture I showed, right? Um, I'm not going to show that again. That freaks some people out. So, uh, <laughs> But it's what we see, and Jesus comes along and says, oh, let me show you a fullness of other things that you can't see based on your own family system, based on your own um, either over-education, based on your own prejudices. Let me show you what Paul says, a more excellent way. And then Jesus uh, shows the kingdom. And so part of that is that Jesus is rooted in this amazing place of love. He just knows his identity. And so baptism at the, at the heart of what we'll talk about today um, really is about rooting and being rooted in this deep sense of who you are in God and there's not a darn thing you can do about it. Then you get freed up. Then what you do, what you own, how much you make, wow. All those kinds of things that we're jockeying fall away and we get liberated to be the people that God wants us to be in our relationships, in our schools, um, in our futures, in ourselves. All these things get liberated because we have been rooted in the love of God. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. Some of y'all need to hear that uh, and that needs to get down deep in your bones um, so that you can be freed up of shame or workaholism or affluenza <laughs> um, so that we can be liberated to really move in a free way in this world. Um, you remember when you were baptized? Anybody have, anybody remember when they know? <laughs> you remember when you were baptized? How old were you, Ryan? After confirmation, so okay. sixth grade. Sixth grade? Was it, uh, was it in your home church or what, what happened? Were you sprinkled or dunked? Sprinkled. Sprinkled, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you were dunked. You were dunked. Sprinkled and dunked. There we go. That sounds like a donut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the power couple, sprinkled and dunked. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So after confirmation, yeah. Who else? Who else? Eileen. Yeah, it was in 2017. 2017. Tell us about it. <laughs> That's great. I remember that. That's crazy. Uh, who else? Yeah. I was eight and in my home church. And I remember that I had just gotten a new permanent. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and I was not very happy. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Okay. Who else? Yeah. Kathy. I was eight, 
into the baptistry, I was so little that the water was over my head. So I had to dog paddle. (laughs) (laughs) Baptism is survival, right? That is great. That's great. I, I was baptized in 1974 or 5. My, my parents, um, they, my mom became Christian during the Jesus movement in the early 70s, if some of y'all don't even know what that is. Uh, it's basically a bunch of hippies that became Christians. And um, my parents were not hippies, but they were um, really intrigued with them, I guess. Uh, and my mom, um, my mom got... Uh, when she when she gave her life to Christ, she, um, like she went all in, um, and so we lived in a suburb of Dallas, and she started working at this place uh, in downtown Dallas called the House of Faith, and I didn't know it at the time, but it was a halfway house for folks trying to get off of heroin and and, um, um, and alcohol addiction that lived on the streets, and mainly uh, women that had. Um, been forced to use their bodies as commodities to be able to feed themselves and their children. And, um, and so we went down every Sunday after church, and it was just how we spent Sundays, which was crazy to me. Like I look back on that, and I see these pictures of me uh, and who I was hanging out with, and it just totally makes sense of who I am today. <laughs> and maybe God said, hey, I'm going to plant some seeds because you're going to need this in the future. You know? uh, um, but it was just this amazing kind of community of folks, and um, uh, a bunch of folks wanted to get baptized, and so we went up to uh, Lake Dallas. And I've got a picture of me at Lake Dallas, and I tried to find it because I wanted to show it to you because it's just awesome and hilarious at the same time. Um, it looks like something out uh, of Stranger Things or something, right, uh, in that era. But my, um, I, I, my hair looks like you know a Peter Frampton kind of lookalike thing or Leif Garrison or something like that. Um, and, or Leif Garrett, is that it? Yeah, anyway. Um, um, or maybe it was Farrah Fawcett. I don't know what it was, but it was, I had that hair. I was rocking that hair. And um, I have around me all these folks that are um, recovering addicts. And uh, there's this guy that was uh, a pastor of that place that uh, put me under the water and brought me back out. And I just, I mean, I remember that day. It's in me. Uh, it's in me, you know. Um, and so when we come to baptism, we, it, it, we know that it's supposed to be a marker. We know that there's certain things about baptism that, um, that it is to do. Um, um, often we have misconceptions about it, and I just want to talk a bit about that today. So the question I'm asking is, what is it for? What is its signal? What does baptism invite? Um, what does it um, provoke? Um, um, because at the end of the day, I think that baptism is to uh, put us somewhere. It is to um, really put us somewhere. As I said at the very beginning of this, it really is to root our identity as the beloved children of God. That you would know, no matter what voices um, that are inside of you that pull you away from that, that I really believe that I was able to come back from my addiction because there was that sense of rootedness, that there was another voice, what my, um, what my um, uh, spiritual director has called the Rio Bajo Rio, the river underneath the river. 
Now the river that I was in was one that was voices of either I have to do more, there's voices of shame, there's voices you're not going to be enough. And underneath that river, there is a deeper voice of God saying, you're my beloved. And that's the voice that we have to cultivate in our culture. That's the voice that our spiritual practices are to help us amplify. Those are the voices. The voice of the beloved um, is, is the voice that God wants to root us in um, so that we might be free. Um, and so what I want to um, uh, at least uh, um, uh, talk about this morning is where, uh, where is baptism? baptism supposed to take us? Where is it supposed to put us? What's it supposed to do? Because often um, we have this idea that baptism is a force field, that when I get baptized and there's some kind of like crapometer in the world, that because I've been baptized, only so many bad things are going to happen, and somehow the Spirit of God kind of holds that back. I found that not to be true, right? Um, I found that baptized people make horrible decisions. I found that baptized people lose their children to all manners of things in the world. I found that baptized people stand over the graves of folks that they need and love and feel as powerless as the person next to them. And so often we have this idea that baptism is going to give us something inside that maybe that little extra edge that nobody else has. That, that spiritual supplement, that if I take it, it's going to boost something that other people don't have. At least that's what I was hoping for when I got baptized. But when we come to the New Testament, um, I think that there's something in operation. We begin to see that, uh, that the way Jesus was baptized, it put him in a location and so what I'd like to do is maybe just open that up a little this morning and say, where did it put Jesus? It put him in a certain neighborhood. And maybe what it means um, to follow Jesus is that it puts us in the same neighborhood then. right? So that when James says, don't be afraid of the fiery ordeal that has come upon you. Uh, my translation is when the stuff hits the fan, don't freak out is basically what James means by that, right? Don't freak out because when your humanity comes up against life, um, um, this is exactly where the Spirit meets you. It's not the absence of God, it's the presence of God uh, in those places. Um, and so um, one of the things that Paul says in 1 Corinthians is when the children of Israel come out of, uh, of Egypt, that they are baptized into Moses. That's a really interesting phrase, that the children of Israel baptized, when they come through the Red Sea, that that was their baptism into Moses. And so wherever Moses was going to go, they were going to go. And so if we pick that up in the life of Jesus, Jesus' baptism, whatever happens and whatever that means for Jesus, and if we're going to follow Jesus into the world, it means um, that we're going to be located where Jesus is located. And I think that there's at least three neighborhoods um, that um, um, where, where Jesus is located. I want to say uh, the first one, and this is, this is an interesting picture, and this has really helped me. This is probably one of the oldest icons that nobody has on their wall at home. <laughs> um, this is probably one of the oldest icons of baptism. It comes from the um, Greek Orthodox tradition, um, and you can't really see it really well up there. 
But this is the baptism of Jesus. John um, is on the left side, and he's pushing um, Jesus's head down into the waters. The spirit uh, and the dove is above. You have the angels on the right-hand side holding uh, the clothes of Jesus. Y'all see that? And then underneath, I don't know if you can see it underneath, but there are these river that was called, they called them river devils. <laughs> devils, they're, they're demons. Now, nobody showed me this picture when I was, you know, Peter Frampton um, and being baptized, right? What, what is, I think is super interesting about this is that the waters, um, uh, the waters of the Jordan represent, and the river, the, the river demons and the, the, the waters of the Jordan represent that primordial kind of Genesis 1 where everything is chaotic and void. And the very spirit of the living God speaks over that and out of that and out of that creation happens, right? So water in the New Testament um, often represents chaos. So Jesus crosses over to the other side on the Sea of Galilee and the storms come up, chaos, right? And when he gets off of that storm and steps into the other side, there's a demon that comes at him. So water and chaos are always kind of connected uh, often in the, uh, in the scriptures. And so what you have is not Jesus being clean, but he's being submersed into the waters of chaos. Right? And it's that the very spirit of living God is placing him there. And so often what we say is that um, um, the, the baptism should save us should protect us, should be some kind of force field, when in actuality we come to scriptures and we see that Jesus is actually identifying with the deep chaos that people are in in his own culture and time. And that his baptism does not um, save him from that chaos, but it summons him into um, the chaos of others, into the chaotic world that we live in. And so to be set apart is in this kind of, hey, I don't want to get my shoes dirty with the world. I'm just here to, to do what Jesus wants me to do is an absolutely uh, wrong way of looking at baptism. Because I think in the end of the day, um, it places us in the neighborhood of chaos, our own chaos and others' chaos. It, it marks us so that we might be pushed into the world um, of of. Of, of the river demons, in a sense, where it is afraid, where there's fear and there is trepidation. And so it's an invitation to deal with your own chaos. And Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? It's a great question, isn't it? I mean, it's a great question. It's an invitation to deal with your own chaos, your own things that, that you end up wondering, is this leading me to liberty or is it not? And that your baptism is a summonsing to do that inner work. It's not a summonsing to shellack a bunch of Jesus over the top of it and act like you have all your stuff together. Most of our problems, and we've talked about this before here, that we often um, judge ourselves by another person's outsides, right? I judge my insides by their outsides, and I always come up um, either... Um, really low or really high. And often our problem is that we um, present ourselves to be a lot more tidy than we are. Isn't that true? 
I mean, I don't, uh, and, and, and that's not also an invitation just to let everybody in, but there ought to be a couple folks in your life. There ought to be a cleave and a, and a clay in your life where folks are let into the more of that chaos and are able to walk with you in that. Right? It also places us in the chaos of the world. It also says that we live in a world right now where there's just, it's chaotic. And I'm not creating some kind of holy huddle over here where we've got it all together and we've got it right and we're just judging the crap out of the world. And what we're going to do is kind of be safe in this place. It says you're in the world to love the world, to bear witness to the world, to, to be in that space of in the neighborhood of chaos so that you might bear witness to a love that will not let you go, to a community that's not afraid of what the world's going through, to a space that says, come, come, it's okay. What do you, what do you got? It's really different um, than um, a kind of idea that says, I'm going to stand over here. I'm one of the called and set apart. I can't identify with that. I wonder if in the end, <laughs> baptism is a type of identification where you can identify with everything and anything. It's not an identification that sets you apart where you, you say, not that. It's a type of identification that says, oh yeah, yeah. I may not have experienced that, but God will love that. God will redeem that. God, that is not beyond the, the scope and the grace and the love of God. Does that make sense? Sometimes we act as if we've got all of our stuff together so much that, um, that it can feel deeply isolating. And so baptism says, hey, pump the brakes on your image management a little and know that you've got inter internal chaos that the spirit of the living God wants to meet you in and, and wants to summons other people into to help you. And you're in a world where that's happening. And I want you to be a community in the world of chaos that bears witness to the love of God. Um, that, that's, that's part of what baptism is. Um, and then I want to uh, say this as well. Um, um, baptism puts us in the neighborhood of human need as well. It's not just a marker, um, but it also says that this is where God is. This is what 1 Peter says that he descended into hell. Now, that's part of any, any Catholics here or ex-Catholics or former or recovering Catholics or whatever. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's all right. Now, the Catholics have the, 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 they say the Nicene Creed, which is different than the Apostles' Creed. In the Apostles' Creed, we take out that phrase, he descended into hell. And that means that God goes all the way down in human need. There's not a place that the love of God won't reach us in. Right? Not a place. Now, um, I was talking to a, a friend earlier about my own life, and there's places that I um, had experienced that I, did ne I, I, I vowed to myself not, never to share with anyone else because I just thought, um, I, I can't look at that myself. And it wasn't until I came into contact with a type of grace that said, you've got to share this. And it came out of my throat, out of the basement of my life. And I shared that. The exact nature of my wrongdoings is what the program says. That I realized that grace was always the substructure of all of that. I was just disconnected from it. 
And so the descent of God goes all the way down into human need and then invites us to that place to bear witness of our own lives and then to the lives of others. You are living around folks in your neighborhood that are barely making it. I don't care what they drive. I don't care what they look like. I don't care where, what school their kids go to. I don't care what their Facebook page looks like. They wake up in the middle of the night wondering, are they going to make it? And if you and I as Christians put on that permagrant smile as if, yep, everything's good. How you doing? And we play that game. We are not acting as if we are baptized human beings. To be standing in the neighborhood of people's chaos, that doesn't mean that we are invasive. That means that we look for the cracks to be able to stand in with people's lives and again ask the question, how are you really doing? Looking for those spaces to be with people in, knowing that each person is carrying more than they feel like that they can handle at any given moment. Do you feel like that ever? Yeah? Is it just me? <laughs> right? And so to be baptized people means that we don't get um, um, sidetracked by all of the image management, that we stand in the place of human need. Our own human need and the human need is others and, and uh, anticipate the divine presence of God in that place. And we move towards each other in that place. Often that will mean that we move beyond our zip codes. Often that means that we will become bridges across divides, across our zip codes, bearing witness, befriending, knowing people um, that, that, that will take us out of our own place and into other human need as well. And we begin to realize then that God is doing something across all of these barriers that we've set up. Um, and so it's the neighborhood of chaos. It's the neighborhood of our own human need that God meets us in as well. And then I want to say this as well, is that that's where um, we really find the will and the love of God in those places. Um, once we stand in our own human need and chaos, once we stand in the need of other people and we are moving into those spaces, both collectively and individually, we begin to realize that the love of God is there, will not let us go, calls us by name. Every time we want to put a period at the end of something and say, that's it, I've screwed up so much, that's it. The Holy Spirit always kind of <coughs> takes the eraser and says a, puts a comma in there and says, oh, oh, but there's more, right? Oh, but there's more. And you've got to know that the community that we're building here is a bunch of comma makers. We're just going to put commas in people's lives because you have a comma in your life that says, nevertheless, Nevertheless, what you're dealing with today, what you're struggling with, God's love will be there. And our, um, our task, I think, um, is to open ourselves up to that love and to hear the same words that Jesus heard the day that he was baptized. Oh, this is my beloved. You're my beloved. You are more than what you have done. You're more than what you're going to do. You're more than the tension of trying to have it all together makes you. And if we would allow the very love of God into that place, I think it would liberate us in really profound ways. Um, and so you're sitting by people that need a comma in their life. 
I need a comma in my life. I can't write my own comma. I need an editor. <laughs> and so we get to be each other's editors. We get to be and stand with each other in those places. Um, and so what of baptism? What does it meant to be baptized people today? Was it to be sequestered and be like um, this total certainty that we're all going to heaven one day in the sweet by and by? What if it meant that we take seriously the stuff that we're all dealing with and we ask for the very love of God to lead us and to work this out together and then place us in the chaos in the neighborhood of other people and give the same love that we've been given? I think that's what it means to be baptized. So, any ideas or questions or thoughts that y'all have as we, uh, as we end today? Anything? Yeah. I'm just thinking about the way we baptize babies. Mm. And so that seems so raw to think about yeah. putting a baby in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, cognitively, that baby will not understand that. <laughs> but the reality is, that's exactly what we're putting that baby. Is, is what we're saying to that baby is that you are going to be in a world, but you will not be alone. Because you've got other baptized people that have dealt with their own chaos. Right? Often what I'll say is that this is a marker Right. This is a, this is a, this is a marker of faith that um, and that that um, that often I'll use the image of soil. That this is a seed of faith that we're planting in the soil. Now, that means that we're the soil, folks, the community. So whatever that little baby's going to learn about what forgiveness or love or how you make it through a really crappy divorce, or what it means to, to face an addiction, that, that baby's going to learn from the soil that they're in, from you and I. They shouldn't have to learn it only in treatment or only in a therapist's office. That there should be a community of people that have dealt with their own chaos in such a way that they go, oh, that's what it means to forgive and be forgiven. Does that make sense? Um, so often what we've done with baby, and I think there's some nutty theology around this that says, oh, if that baby wasn't baptized, they're going to hell. That's nuts. I mean, I got all day long I can talk about that, but this bottom line, my summation of that is that's nuts, right? Uh, what it does is it creates a community of people that are being summoned to live in a different way in this world. And the question is, is that will we move beyond our own fabricated identities of fear? And will we create a, a community that a child who's being baptized this morning or next week will need 30 years from then? Will we do that? Will we become who that child needs? Because my hunch is that each of us need that. So, yeah. Because I do remember my baptism really well. Um, hmm. I think that when I made the decision to do that, it was sort of putting a stick down in the, in the ground and saying, I have been running away from my idea of what God was hmm. for so long that I had finally found a different way of looking at God. Hmm. And I was like, from 
this point forward, I want to move my life in the direction of that God. Yeah. And huh, that's um, good. I've had my ups and downs, mm. but um, downs down, sorry. <laughs> lots more downs lately. Mm. But it has never made me stop believing that this God that I'm now understanding is still going to be with me, is yeah. still going to help me through the things that I've been going through. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Thank you, Eileen. Mm. Mm. What else? Cleve. So I'm, so I'm a guest. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Ha, ha, thank you. That, not just really good because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. God knows I need that. But, but what if we did that with each other? What if we became many mirrors to that, to each other? Today, and, and reflected back to each other that, that you're the beloved. You're the beloved. You're the beloved. And there's not a dang thing you can do about that. I wonder if what that would disrupt the other voices in our lives. Um, no. Did somebody else want to say yes, Steve? We, we keep on using the word beloved, beloved. I, I actually see, I see it as a different phrase. And it's all it is is the love. Hmm. <laughs> right, that's good. Paul? Um, I have four baptisms uh, to my name. <laughs> that's good. And, and, and part of it's a reflection of growing up in churches where uh, uh, baptism was critical and the mechanics of it yeah. were as important. Yeah. Uh, and what you believed about it was significant. Yes. Oh, right, right. And so um, I'm grateful to have 
said, and also the ease of talking about baptism to people I know who still focus on those issues uh, as if they're really important when they're not the most important thing. Mm. And then what Cleve said made me think about something I heard recently uh, about a Jewish woman who grew up, um, she moved into a community where there weren't many Jews, and she's my age-ish, and she grew up with grandparents who had escaped from the Holocaust. And she was talking about growing up in a, a, a Christian community and that every household that she entered, she wondered, would these be the people that would house me and my family? Mm. Wow. And it made me think about what it means to be community to our neighbors huh. and how different it is when we think about what they're looking at us. Dang. And I wonder about, are they looking at us as people who argue a theological point? Huh. That's a friggin' mic drop right there, right? <laughs> and next week, Paul will be teaching. <laughs> that say, ask that question again, because I that that's it. I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> she was wondering, are these the kinds of people that will house me in a moment of persecution? Are these the kind of people that will house me in a moment of persecution? Or argue theology. Or argue theology, right? Right? That's, that's super interesting to me because baptism, uh, what denominations, nutty, we do the Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, all of it, nutty, is that we delegitimize another denomination's baptism because we, we think right about it, right? Ours is better. We got to make sure that you're thinking, what do you think, Paul? What do you think? Oh, nope, sorry, right? So we have, yeah, we, yeah, we got it seven times. We had to do it, right? But, but if, if at its basis, it's about the waters of the world's chaos that God wants to transform in love, it's in the neighborhoods that Jesus moves in, nobody has, um, uh, can legitimize that except for spirit, right? And then I wonder if that's the question every single one of us, when we come into contact with each other, are asking is, will this person hide me? <laughs> When, when, when the crap comes down, is this person going to be a safe place for me? And I wonder if what Cleve is saying, that in the reflection of each other, if we're able to say, you're the beloved son of God, you're the beloved daughter of God, that we find that place of safety and hiddenness with each other, right? So when it all comes down, when the crap hits the fan, like I'm picking up the phone with someone that I know who has seen me and will hide me. This is what the, the psalm says. Hide me in the safety of your wing. Right? I, I don't need a lot of Facebook friends, um, um, and neither do you. You need to know that if the person that you meet and that you're cultivating relationship with in this community will hide you when it hits the fan. And that's what it means to be baptized. That's good. Yeah. Dang. Dang. You nailed that, Mary Lou Retton. Stuck it. <laughs> That's good. All right, let's stand and pray together. <laughs> That's good. Um, let's, uh, let's take the hands of each other. Let's pray. Mm. So Ram Das says, at the end of the day, all we're doing is taking each other's hand and walking each other home. That's all we're doing here. Um, so the hands that you're holding... Just walk each other home today. Let's pray.
Oh God, we'd ask that you would allow us to become a place for that question. Will these people be safe for me? When they walk through these doors, when we greet each other, and may there be such a resounding, yes, we'll be your safe place. Teach us how to be that and to become that. Teach us how to be the baptized people in this world standing in the neighborhoods that you stood in and that you stand in in our lives today. May we bear witness to that every day of our lives, God. Thank you. Thank you that you call us a beloved. May we mirror that with each other this week. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.